Chapter Seven of Moods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. Moods by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter Seven. Dull but necessary. Whoever cares only for incident and action in a book had better skip this chapter and read on but those who take an interest in the delineation of character will find the key to sylvia's ear john yule might have been a poet painter or a philanthropist for heaven had endowed him with fine gifts he was a prosperous merchant with no ambition but to leave a fortune to his children and live down the memory of a bitter past on the threshold of his life he stumbled and fell for as he paused there waiting for the first step to appear providence tested and found him wanting on one side poverty offered the aspiring youth her meagre hand but he was not wise enough to see the virtues hidden under her hard aspect nor brave enough to learn the stern yet salutary lessons which labor necessity and patience teach giving to those who serve and suffer the true success on the other hand opulence allured him with her many baits and silencing the voice of conscience he yielded to temptation and wrecked his nobler self a loveless marriage was the price he paid for his ambition not a costly one he thought till time taught him that whosoever mars the integrity of his own soul by transgressing the great laws of life even by so much as a hair's breadth entails upon himself and heirs the inevitable retribution which proves their worth and keeps them sacred the tide that bound and burdened the unhappy twain worn then by constant friction snapped at last and in the solemn pause death made in his busy life there rose before him those two ghosts who sooner or later haunt us all saying with reproachful voices this i might have been and this i am then he saw the failure of his life at fifty he found himself poorer than when he made his momentous choice for the years that had given him wealth position children had also taken from him youth self-respect and many a gift whose worth was magnified by loss he endeavored to repair the fault so tardily acknowledged but found it impossible to cancel it when remorse embittered effort and age left him powerless to redeem the rich inheritance squandered in his prime if ever man received punishment for a self-inflicted wrong it was john yule a punishment as subtle as the sin for in the children growing up about him every relinquished hope neglected gift lost aspiration seemed to live again yet on each and all was set the direful stamp of imperfection which made them visible illustrations of the great law broken in his youth in prudence as she grew to womanhood he saw his own practical tact and talent nothing more she seemed the living representative of the years spent in strife for profit power and place the petty cares that fret the soul the mercenary schemes that waste a life the worldly formalities frivolities and fears that so belittle character all these he saw in his daughter's shape and with pathetic patience bore the daily trial of an over-active 
over-anxious affectionate but most prosaic child in mark he saw his ardor for the beautiful his love of the poetic his reverence for genius virtue heroism but here too the subtle blight had fallen this son though strong in purpose was feeble in performance for some hidden spring of power was wanting and the shadow of that earlier defeat chilled in his nature the energy which is the first attribute of all success mark loved poetry and wrote in numbers for the numbers came but whether tragic tender or devout in each attempt there was enough of the divine fire to warm them into life yet not enough to gift them with the fervor that can make a line immortal and every song was a sweet lament for the loftier lays that might have been he loved art and gave himself to it but though studying all forms of beauty he never reached its soul and every effort tantalized him with fresh glimpses of the fair ideal which he could not reach he loved the true but high thoughts seldom blossomed into noble deeds for when the hour came the man was never ready and disappointment was his daily portion a sad fate for the son a far sadder one for the father who had bequeathed it to him from the irrecoverable past in sylvia he saw mysteriously blended the two natures that had given her life although she was born when the gulf between regretful husband and sad wife was widest as if indignant nature rebelled against the outrage done in her holiest ties adverse temperaments gifted the child with the good and ill of each from her father she received pride intellect and will from her mother passion imagination and the fateful melancholy of a woman defrauded of her dearest hope these conflicting temperaments with all their aspirations attributes and inconsistencies were woven into a nature fair and faulty ambitious yet not self-reliant sensitive yet not keen-sighted these two masters ruled soul and body warring against each other making sylvia an enigma to herself and her life a train of moods a wise and tender mother would have divined her nameless deeds answered her vague desires and through the medium of the most omnipotent affection given to humanity have made her what she might have been but sylvia had never known mother love for her life came through death and the only legacy bequeathed her was a slight hold upon existence a ceaseless craving for affection and the shadow of a tragedy that wrung from the pale lips that grew cold against her baby cheek the cry free at last thank god for that prudence could not fill the empty place though the good-hearted housewife did her best neither sister understood the other and each tormented the other through her very love prue unconsciously exasperated sylvia sylvia unconsciously shocked prue and they hitched along together each trying to do well and each taking diametrically opposite measures to effect her purpose mark briefly but truly described them when he said sylvia trims the house with flowers but prudence dogs her with a dustpan mr yule was now a studious melancholy man who having said one fatal no to himself made it the satisfaction of his life to say a never varying yes to his children 
but though he left no wish of theirs ungratified he seemed to have forfeited his power to draw and hold them to himself he was more like an unobtrusive guest than a master in his house his children loved but never clung to him because unseen yet impassable rose the barrier of an instinctive protest against the wrong done their dead mother unconscious on their part but terribly significant to him mark had been years away and though the brother and sister were tenderly attached sex tastes and pursuits kept them too far apart and sylvia was solitary even in this social seeming home dissatisfied with herself she endeavored to make her life what it should be with the energy of an ardent aspiring nature and through all experiences sweet or bitter all varying moods successes and defeats a sincere desire for happiness the best and highest was the little rushlight of her soul that never wavered or went out she never had known friendship in its truest sense for next to love it is the most abused of words she had called many friend but was still ignorant of that sentiment cooler than passion warmer than respect more just and generous than either which recognizes a kindred spirit in another and claiming its right keeps it sacred by the wise reserve that is to friendship what the purple bloom is to the grape a charm which once destroyed can never be restored love she had desired yet dreaded knowing her own passionate nature and when it came to her making that brief holiday the fateful point of her life she gave herself to it wholly before that time she had rejoiced over a more tranquil pleasure and believed that she had found her friend in the neighbor who after long absence had returned to his old place nature had done much for geoffrey moore but the wise mother also gave him those teachers to whose hard lessons she often leaves her dearest children five years spent in the service of a sister who through the sharp discipline of pain was fitting her meek soul for heaven had given him an experience such as few young men receive this fraternal devotion proved a blessing in disguise it preserved him from any profanation of his youth and the companionship of the helpless creature whom he loved had proved an ever-present stimulant to all that was best and sweetest in the man a single duty faithfully performed had set the seal of integrity upon his character and given him grace to see at thirty the rich compensation he had received for the ambition silently sacrificed at twenty-five when his long vigil was over he looked into the world to find his place again but the old desires were dead the old allurements had lost their charm and while he waited for time to show him what good work he should espouse no longing was so strong as that for a home where he might bless and be blessed in writing that immortal poem a virtuous and happy life sylvia soon felt the power and beauty of this nature and remembering how well he had ministered to a physical affliction often looked into the face whose serenity was a perpetual rebuke longing to ask him to help and heal the mental ills that perplexed and burdened her more soon divined the real isolation of the girl read the language of her wistful eyes felt that he could serve her and invited confidence by the cordial alacrity with which he met her least advance but while he served he learned to love her 
for sylvia humble in her own conceit and guarded by the secret passion that possessed her freely showed the regard she felt with no thought of misapprehension no fear of consequences unconscious that such impulsive demonstration made her only more attractive that every manifestation of her frank esteem was cherished in her friend's heart of hearts and that through her he was enjoying the blossom time of life so peacefully and pleasantly the summer ripened into autumn and sylvia's interest into an enduring friendship End of chapter seven